You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, it's here. Florida versus LSU weekend. Sold out crowd out there in the swamp. One of the most anticipated weekends out there in college football. And Zach, man, uh, you know, you you look at this rivalry of the past five years hasn't went our way the most of the times. And it seems like every time that we get in a close matchup with LSU, they always find a way to pull off the victory. Uh, it, it seems kind of Tennessee-like for me. The uh, last victory, obviously, was in 2018. We knew how that game went. It was close. Not a lot of blowouts between these two teams. I think the, the last blowout you have to go up to is like, what, 2010 or 11? Was was the biggest blowout that it was? It was not in our favor either. I think it was LSU no. beat us like forty something to seventeen. Uh, that was the Jacoby Brissett game, I believe. That's right. Yeah, forty one to eleven in two thousand eleven. Um, <laughs> we don't we don't need to talk about that one. <laughs> no, that the the only way we got a touchdown is because somebody shoved Andre DeBose out of bounds and he came back in. So <laughs> that's the only reason why. <laughs> and the and the corner quit on the play because he thought it was just a dead play and uh, Andre DeBose just takes it into the house. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> When you look at it, though, close games, LSU's had the upper hand on Florida these past couple of years. Luckily, Billy Napier, if you go back at his time at Louisiana Lafayette, a lot of his close games went into his favor. Uh, so if you know anything about Billy Napier, he may not be the best play, uh, coach calling timeouts <laughs> because every time it seems like he calls a timeout, we want to just pull our hair out. But uh, in close games, uh, for the most part, he pulls it off. So Florida here... Uh, LSU weekend and uh, quarterback Jaden Daniels. He did have a knee injury, I believe, in that Tennessee game, uh, but did throw for 300 yards. Uh, had a 71.1% completion rating there, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, and and look, if you look at Tennessee's backfield and you go look up at their defense, they're awful. They're ranked 123rd in passing defense, allowing 307.4 through the air. LSU's quarterback, I can't say struggled to throw the football against Tennessee, but he did have over 100 yards passing, and the only quarter I think he threw for 100 yards was like the second quarter. Uh, but we all know that, you know, Florida has seemingly struggled against the pass this year, but they've only averaged giving up 220 per game. But the only bugaboo about this stat is the teams are rushing the football so much on Florida, and Florida's giving up over 200 yards on the ground. And uh, they aren't having to pass it too much anyway, so that's probably why Florida's stat is... 49th in, in passing defense because when teams are running the football over 200 yards on you every game, they don't really have to pass the ball. So uh, what's your general thoughts, man? Uh, Ellis, what what do you think Florida needs to do to at least keep LSU from scoring on this team? Well, I think you, you made the point of how much they're going to run the ball. Florida's biggest issue to me, it, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, is their inability to stop a rushing quarterback. It, it, we've seen it on numerous oh, yeah. occasions this year, and even Hendon Hooker. Like, I get he's athletic and he's broken off on some rushing plays in the past, but he's never run like he did against Florida a couple weeks ago. And that, you know, we're going to look back on that game, I think, in a few months and realize just how good Hendon Hooker was elevating this Tennessee team. Uh, but we saw it with, uh, with Gary Bohannon down at USF as well. I mean, we saw Will Levis, I think, on occasion break off on some runs that were, you know, kind of surprising because I, I think his athleticism is a bit oversold. I guess, you know, all that being said, Jaden Daniels is going to run the ball. This is something that, uh, you know, Prince Lee Uman Malin or Uman Mielin, I always mess that up. 
this is something he was saying back on Monday. This is something that Billy Napier has addressed a couple of times, and yet we're still seeing these issues six games into the season. It's something that, that you know, especially when it comes to this Tigers offense, they're going to need to be on their P's and Q's about. Yeah, absolutely. And you said the the name I was thinking about, too, Jaden Daniels, a guy who's rushed 456 yards. He's averaged 8.1 yards per attempt when he's rushed the football. And get this, Zach, but you know how bad we are with missing tackles. Yards after contact, he's averaged 4.68 yards after contact. He's forced That's... 17 missed tackles, 10 or 22 runs of 10-plus yards. Those are Damian Pierce stats, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Those are, that's exactly what it, his stats in 2021 sounded like. I, I feel like that might have been more yards after contact than Pierce had, honestly. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, I, I was looking up just his stats in general. And and, and I know, look, the, the opponents that they've played may have not been the best. I mean, you play, you start out with Florida State, and you have like New Mexico State or whoever. The, I can't even name the teams that they played. But they, they're not really good on defense anyway. But still, when you look at that statistically, neither is Florida. They're not good in run defense either. So I expect Florida, if you were to ask me to give up yards up on the ground now last week, They held, uh, I think, Missouri to 130 on the ground, I believe, uh, looking at the statistics. And that was the first game that Florida was able to hold a team, I believe, under 200 yards rushing. Um, And it was the first it was the second game that Florida was able to hold a team offensively through the uh, through the air and rushing under 400 yards of offense. The other team they were able to hold was Kentucky. But that was about it. Every other team that Florida's played, they've allowed over 400 yards of offense. So when you look at it, you know, the run game, obviously, the quarterback for LSU isn't the best quarterback out there. Uh, but still, I mean, his statistics, you look at it, he's got about a 68% completion rating. Uh, he doesn't turn the, the uh, football over a lot. They, they don't throw that many interceptions. But I did notice this running the statistics there, looking at turnovers. This team fumbles the ball a lot. They're uh, 101st in the nation in fumbles per game. They give up 1.6 per uh, average there. So I'm in Florida. You know, they've been pretty good this year. And I, and I said this last week, Zach. This team, you know, when you look at interceptions and turnovers, uh, you go back to 2020, 2021, that seemed like a rarity for that to happen. I pulled the stats on that at PFF. Um, This team's getting a lot more turnovers, wouldn't you say? Four sacks, 13 tackles for loss, two interceptions against Missouri, at least according to the post-game notes I've got right here. That speaks to it. I mean, that's not something that a Todd Grantham defense ever capable of doing i think at least in the last couple of years at florida and we've seen that in moments throughout the season we've seen that you know with even surprising players like a jalen kimber breaking out in the in the usf game and come Jaden hill i mean talk about a story there so right. florida's shown that they've definitely grown in that department and this is the type of game where you know you mentioned those fumble stats you have to capitalize on that offensively that that's going to be the biggest thing when you flip the script is you know, how will Anthony ultimately capitalize on these opportunities? How will the play calling, for another example, you know, when it comes to utilizing the run game in a consistent fashion and going with your hot hand to sustain drives, you know, you need to pull really all the tricks out of the bag to make sure you capitalize on those fumbles, on those interceptions that you might be able to sneak Jaden Daniels into. He Granted, he only has one on the season. So again, it might come down to the fumbles, but at the same time, that's that's what you have to do. 
Yeah, and I, I noticed they uh, last week against Tennessee, they did not start off really hot. <laughs> they uh, they they muff a kickoff, and, and then Tennessee scores on it right away. And Tennessee just just beat the crap out of them. I mean, that that game wasn't even close. Um, if you use the transitive property, obviously Florida scored more points on Tennessee. That game was a lot closer, but you got to throw that out the window in this game. It is a rivalry, and you you mentioned Anthony Richardson. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of plays that I see too, Zach, and it wasn't even – we'll get into this whole leg thing that everybody's talking about. But even at the beginning of the season, I see a lot of plays where, you know, you sometimes they'll fake a handoff. You do that little quarterback draw kind of thing. Um, you know, Richardson on a lot of plays, there's a lot of green grass in front of him, and he doesn't keep the ball and run. What, what do you think is the biggest issue right now with Richardson – Obviously, when he uses his legs, especially in play action, when he rolls out, I mean, he does pretty well, uh, you know, throwing the football. He did it against Utah. You saw it against Tennessee. What's your thoughts in general of Richardson just not running a lot on his foot? That's the thing is I'm just as curious as you are because, you know, you do look back at the start of the season without the backup quarterback. And I don't even want to say that Jalen Kitten has proven, but, you know, he's shown enough to where you'd at least be okay with having to throw him out there if possible. But you, back at that point, you didn't have that proof. You didn't have a Jack yeah. Miller. You had Anthony hobbling at times. And it took a while for him to admit that he was in a bit of pain during those games, but he ultimately did. I don't know if maybe the effects of that have lingered into his decision-making long-term. I don't know if he's ultimately being instructed to not run if they want to continue developing him as a passer. But I think it's the most obvious thing when it comes to judging Florida's offense is it's missing that consistent Anthony Richardson rushing threat, which everyone knows he's capable of, of pulling off at this point. It needs to be consistent. You need to not be afraid of teams scheming you out of it because ultimately he is the best athlete on the field, all things considered in most of their matchups. You just have to go with it. You have to take it and run with it. It's the, it's ultimately the strength of your offense when you pair it with what's truly an incredible running back tandem of Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Naquan right to compliment as well, but those two guys are some of the most efficient running backs in college football. I believe they're one of the top two or three tandems in terms of yards per carry in the entire nation. You pair that with a quarterback that can run 4-4, use it. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, that's like a, if you look at it, really, if you use Montrell, Trevor, and Richardson, that it's like a three-headed monster. I mean, just running down their statistics, I mean, Montrell Johnson, 368 for the year, averages eight yards per attempt, which is pretty good, and 3.76 yards after contact. Trevor Etienne, 306, 6.8 yards after contact, uh, actually 6.8 yards per rush, four yards after contact, and together, just between Montrell Johnson and, and Trevor Etienne, they have forced 30 total missed tackles and have 22 runs of 10-plus yards, which that running back for LSU just had that single-handedly by himself. But uh, right. it's impressive, impressive stats between both of those guys, especially when you're sharing carries because they've been doing this whole three-running-back rotation. But you saw it in the last game against Missouri. I think Naquan only got five attempts, and uh, Montrell and Trevor started to get the bulk of the carries, man. So I'm hoping, if you'll get your opinion on this too, do you st- – start to see that this staff is starting to adjust and starting to see that maybe Montreal, Trevor, or maybe your two guys? I think so. And, and, and Naquan, I think, is a serviceable back that can do a lot of things very well. And we see 
I don't think he's the most efficient rusher, I think is the nicest way to put it. But we see when he's on those more reduced carries in that kind of tertiary role, that had to have been up there for his highest yards per attempt on the season against you know some legitimate competition, especially a very good Missouri run defense, in my opinion. But putting him in that role as kind of the third guy, you're not as evenly distributing it, and you allow ETN, you allow Montrell when they're hot to keep going what that can do for your offense. And it does speak to your point where, you know, in bits and pieces, we're seeing the staff starting to adjust based on the strength of its personnel. And ultimately we're, I think we'll end up seeing more things like that across different units. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Trevor Etienne has nine runs of 15 plus yards or more in design runs. And Montreal Johnson has six of those, the 15 plus yards runs in design runs here. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go back on that uh, in a little bit more, but I, I see, I look at the matchups from LSU and I, and I see LSU's defense, they got a pretty good defense. And, and even though Tennessee scored 40 or so, some odd points on them, Tennessee's got the number two offense in the country. And if you go by yards per game, it's number one. So Tennessee's well proven themselves to be one of the most elite offenses right now in college football. So you can't really, I guess, look at LSU's defense and just say, oh, we're going to murder them and we're going to throw the ball all over the place. Uh, but when I look at matchups here, LSU's defensive line's pretty good. Our offensive line's pretty good as well. Do you see or you look forward to that part in this game? What do you do? Do you see Florida maybe getting the advantage on their defensive line, or do you see maybe just a uh, stalemate there? Yeah, truthfully, I'd say push at this point. I mean, they're both very high quality units, and, and LSU's is a bit more homegrown. But I mean, you look at the impact of Osiris Torrance at this point, and, and then some of the homegrown guys uh, that were here maybe for a bit with Mullen and Hevesy or just came in and basically are starting anew with their college careers in terms of a development track. We've seen, I wrote about this today, Austin Barber, obviously breaking out at right tackle and really holding it down, call, saying that coach sale and coach Stapleton turned him into a brand new player. Uh, Richie Leonard is another one who has been playing in a legitimate rotation, not because they needed him just because they tried him out, wanted to see his strengths. He's, I don't think a lot of sack or a pressure this year, you know, most, 50 or so pass protection snaps from what I can recall from the from the article. So not only do they have a strong top five, but they've got depth. You know, if someone gets tired, they can rotate players against LSU like LSU can rotate players from their really stacked defensive line in terms of star talent. And, and they're missing Mason Taylor, too. Yeah, it, it's I was I was terrified of this matchup, truth be told, when he was in the lineup. It's a shame that he's out because he's a great player. Um, but so that obviously helps a little bit. But then again, you look at the depth that Florida's got on their offensive line at this point, and you don't see many teams do this, but they could truly be matchup oriented offensive line versus defensive line against LSU. If they feel that, you know, they want to kick someone out to tackle or, or maybe have Richie Leonard swap in with really all three of the positions on the interior offensive line because you know maybe it would work better in the red zone or in between the 20s they can do that and i think that's a unique advantage to i don't think there's any other way to put it really yeah if you look at pass protection just in general this isn't with run game or any other kind of plays there is just pass protection in general florida's only given up one sack and that was by richard garage i believe that was uh, last week uh, mm. only three quarterback hits uh 23 quarterback hurries, 27 total pressures for six games. That's pretty good for pass protection. Um, 
But, you know, as far as that goes, um, I do you think now it's going to be run game versus run game here? I mean, LSU, their quarterback's a little bit better than Anthony Richardson when it comes to passing the football, but he's not a world beater passer. He, he, he loves to use his legs. Florida, as you said, struggles against running quarterbacks. Do you see this game going 200 plus ru- yards rushing back and forth? And now, what if there's a stalemate, though? Like, what if both teams can't run the football? Uh, what do you think happens there? I mean, you know, if, if if Florida doesn't give up big runs and they play like they their defensive line played against Missouri, and they, they gave up a few big runs, but not a lot. If you see the defensive line stopping the run, you see their defensive line stopping the run, it's going to come down to Richardson and this quarterback. Quarterback for quarterback, who would you think wins this football game if you were to just put them out there on the field? Now, we've seen Jekyll and Hyde from Anthony Richardson, so... Uh, hopefully we get 453-yard passing Richardson against Tennessee and, and not 66-yard passing Richardson like last week. Uh, but what do you say? If it came down to quarterback, quarterback, what's your thoughts? Well, that's the thing. It comes down to floor versus ceiling. Uh, do you, by chance, have the stat for Jaden Daniels' average depth of target? Because from what I can tell by his line, you know, he's extremely efficient, but I don't think he really pushes the ball downfield all that often. I think he's capable and maybe does it on occasion, but I don't think it's necessarily a consistent thing you say Jaden Daniels passing depth yeah yeah so from as far as passing it deep 20 plus yards he's only passed for like 161 33.3% completion rating from uh, passes 10 to 9 54.5% 243 and then short passes obviously is probably going to be the best stat for any quarterback he's 77.5 percent so I mean he doesn't when he tosses the ball deep he's not very successful but that's why I I try to tell people when you look at completion rating look at where they've passed the ball if it hasn't been behind the line of scrimmage is it zero to nine is it 10 to 19 or 20 plus uh you start going to that 20 plus region and all that uh it it doesn't look good I mean he's I mean he's 7.4 yards per average just on passes 10 to 19 I mean it's it's I I think Anthony Richardson and I can look this up real quick I think Anthony Richardson's statistics on his depth is uh, a lot better so on passes deep 20 plus yards Richardson's a little bit better 46.7 percent completion rating for 498 on medium passes from 10 to 19 66.7 percent completion rating 415 and then on short passes uh, 61.5%. So uh, LSU's quarterback's a little bit better there for 207. But you go and you look at his uh, statistics just from passing it down the left side, right side, middle of the field. And this is past the line of scrimmage. These are, uh, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Those passes are easy, but he's not even really that great at that when it comes to the <laughs> wide receiver screens because he throws them pretty inaccurately. But uh, if you go to the left side of field, he has a 54.1% completion rating for 250. The middle of the field between the numbers is actually pretty good. 64.9% completion rating, 578 yards. And then the right side of the field, 51.8% completion rating, 292. So uh, if you look at it really, to be honest, Richardson's kind of the better passer. <laughs> and that started the category. If you if you go from like passes deep and, and passes like 10 to 9 is where he has the most success or 10 to 19 is where he has the most success anyway. First thing is when it comes to Jaden Daniels, I, um, I'm very curious to see what happens at safety considering he is doing very well going into the middle of the field because we've seen a consistent issue there. And we've yep. we've heard that the young players are doing well and one in particular, Kamari Wilson, is uh, supposed to be playing more. Yep. I've not seen that answer necessarily at a certain safety position at this point. And if he's going to attack that part of the field, you're going to have to try something new. 
Um, that being said, yeah, a similar stat to that as well is the average depth of target for all of their throws just charted into one. Yeah. Daniels is 7.1. Anthony's is 12.2. So it it speaks to that, you know, high floor and high ceiling. If Anthony's able to come out and and play like he did against LSU last year, his ADOT's going to be through the roof and you're going to want to see him continually taking those risks as we've seen throughout the year. He's obviously willing to push it into that intermediate to deep level of the field more often than I'd say your typical quarterback, but also specifically Daniels. Daniels, whereas, you know, if this does turn into a passing game, he really might just nickel and dime his way down the field and use his legs as an advantage at that point. And and that, again, it it becomes a test of A, the safety playing coverage, but also the ability to contain a rushing quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about Richardson and play action and when he rolls out, we saw a lot of that towards Tennessee and in that Tennessee game. He's actually pretty successful at play action. He's 64, uh, 64.7% completion rating for 683 yards, and he averages 13.4 yards per attempt when he goes play action like that. So um, and, uh, that's an interesting stat. And, and, like, when you compare the stats between both, you make a great point. I mean, Daniels, I mean, as far as our weakness as a team, we can't stop a quarterback run to save our lives, it seems like, on top of, you know, stopping the run in general. But in, in but in retrospect, man, I think Florida will be able to run the ball against LSU too. I'm not sure how big those runs are going to be or how explosive they will be. But uh, it's just when you look at the matchups, man, it's just really it, it, the Vegas gets it right. I mean, Florida's a three point favorite only because it's a home game. You take away that home game, it, it's neck for neck. It, it, it's a coin flip, don't you? Uh, don't you agree? I, I definitely agree. And I think when it comes to the run game at that point, again, you you do need to continue making that adjustment to going with your hot hand, going with the guys that are efficient against a front like the one that Florida is going to be going against. In my opinion, although I think Trevor Etienne is a special talent, I think that if they can get him going, get him going. But I would lead on um, I would lean on Montreal Johnson for this game. You know, if there's any bruising running back that can, you know, power his way through what's not only a really talented line, but a really big line for LSU. I would think it's Montrell, your 220-pound running back, who does have some top-end speed, but ultimately will drag a couple guys with him through the mud. And so, yeah, it speaks to that earlier point you made. You know, we're starting to see them make some changes, some adjustments in small increments. You need to continue progressing in a game like this. You know, obviously, this game is is very special. People have some harsh opinions on Napier and the staff at this point. If they don't make adjustments for this game, you know, I'm I'm worried about the backlash. You know, what how will fans feel when they're four and three and, and losing that fifth game in six years, I believe, with LSU at that point. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna make me sick to my stomach, especially if I'm there to see it live. So <laughs> yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna see that happen. But there there's another thing I'm I'm really worried about in this game and, and it's been a it's something we looked at. Uh, recently and thought, okay, well, our kicking game's pretty decent. It's okay. But then you go back to last week and it was just like, holy Lord, you're missing. Like, I think they're 55.6% on field goals this year. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on Adam Malik so far? And do you expect to see any part of Trace Mack this season? I think it was encouraging to see Trey take on the role of handling kickoffs Uh, again that does show the ability to adjust at some point and they wanted to continue giving adam chances i think he really did earn the position 
throughout spring when he when ultimately uh, the uh, the former starter transfers out, you know, for a walk on to come in and do that, that inspires a lot of confidence. Uh, and obviously, you know, Trey missed a little bit of time or was at least limited at the very beginning of fall camp as well after enrolling in the summer. So it, Adam always had a bit of a leg up coming into the season. But but again, you see Trey and the clear leg power that he has working on kickoffs. You do have to wonder, you know, what's the accuracy element or what's the you know, what's the feel of it for a freshman. But you can't miss those field goals at this point. You know, I, I do think that Adam is a really great story, a kicker, and I think could be a good kicker. And I wouldn't necessarily as a Florida fan be upset if he gets one more chance this weekend, but it's at the point now where it kind of has to be a short leash. You know, you've got the intriguing kicker who is capable of the job he's been given so far through a couple of games. You have to kind of see what you have at that point. If you're going to be, you know, not getting points on the board in what is such a pivotal game. Right. And Billy Napier's tendency to go forward on fourth down is uh, a high tendency there. So maybe we don't even yeah. really have to experience that this game. Hopefully we get those fourth downs. But uh, if we yeah. don't, hopefully, obviously, Adam Malik will do. Yeah, he's 55.6 in his uh, in his kicks. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's not good. Uh, and hopefully it does improve down the line. I mean, we've seen kickers before go through like spurts of where they've just been bad and then all of a sudden a light clicks on and then they nail 10 of them in a row and you're just like wow okay well where was this at so um yeah believe that didn't that happen to austin harden wasn't he doing pretty good and then all of a sudden he just tanked i couldn't even tell you i mean i know in adam's case he started well i mean all things considered it wasn't anything spectacular we didn't see you know massive kicks but now, you know, it is fair to wonder, maybe after missing a real long one, did it kind of get to his head? Like, you know, he wanted to be perfect. He had been pretty perfect to this point in what was an underdog story. So, but again, yeah, it, it's it's a point where if you do try to kick field goals this weekend, if you aren't going to constantly be aggressive on fourth, which personally, you know, I, I, I respect those decisions to go for it on fourth down. I like the analytics behind them in a lot of cases, but I, if you have to settle, you can't you can't keep just booting the same thing out there and expecting a different result at that point. You got to see what you got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I totally agree with that, man. Um, I'll, we'll segue here. This is the last thing I really want to cover because I've, obviously it's the, the, the worst part of our team right now. And now I will say the defensive line played way better last week. Uh, lots of tackles for loss. I believe there was like... 13 tackles for loss last week. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could see that team every every game. Um, but uh, the biggest issue, Florida, it's their backfield right now. Is there anything that this Florida backfield can do to take advantage over LSU in the backfield throwing the football? And don't say I no. Mean, <laughs> I'm just so concerned about the depth, man. It, it, it was the same thing coming into the season. It rings true to this very point right now. Uh, and, and we did see an emergence against a Missouri offense that I don't think is that great. And I don't think LSU's is necessarily that great either, but I do think it features a lot more talent. And, and you know, these edge rushers are going to be tested. It, it's good to, fi- to have seen Brenton Cox post a sack. We've seen him be productive. We've seen him create pressure and post some tackles for loss, but now he's got a little momentum and he needs to kind of lead that unit into the backfield. Princely is another player just like that, you know, massive game this past weekend. 
Ventrell, Ventrell is, you know, he's playing the ball of his life right now. So you need to continue being aggressive with these players and, and not be afraid necessarily of the risk that comes with it. As long as you're willing to make the adjustments, like for example, say Kamari were to be back there at safety and they decided to run some sort of variation of a blitz, which I know isn't necessarily that typical, but say they were wanting to get Ventrell into the back field, maybe do a, um, a creeper of some sort. If you have Kamari back there and they give up one big play as a result of him, like, yes, I understand it's not great for that game, but I think in the long run, it still ends up being fine. You're going to have your growing pains. And ultimately I still feel as though with a couple of tweaks like that, you know, with the rotations they have in the secondary, they're not that far away from being able to hold things down in coverage and get aggressive up front. And again, it does come down to those depth concerns. How many guys can you have doing that on a consistent basis to get after the passer? I'm not sure they have that quality depth right now, but I don't think the secondary is that far away from being able to support the defensive line as thin as it is in getting after the quarterback and containing a lot more than it has been at least through these first six games. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I was going to say, I don't even know if I even have an answer to that question. So I'm just going to ask <laughs> you, Zach. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I try. Looking forward to it, man. I know LSU's defensive stats are a little bit better. They also really haven't really played any good quality teams, except for Tennessee last week where they got handled pretty bad. Um, final score, man. What do you think? I do have Florida winning. I've had... I predicted that before the season and I feel much more confident in it now um, just because, you know, I think all things considered Florida is kind of where I thought they'd be maybe not necessarily in the results of the game specifically, but I, you know, I had them at seven, five, eight and four going into the year. So not too much has changed on that front. LSU, it, you know, they've piled, they've compiled some nice wins, but ultimately I thought the Florida state game was atrocious I thought the Tennessee game really exposed what this team is leading into this game. I just don't necessarily have a reason to pick against Florida at this point. Now I do think it'll be close because as we've seen all year, Florida plays close games. It's just what they do. I'm putting together a story now and I don't have it in front of me what the exact score differential is, but you remove the Eastern Washington game from the equation. And I think Florida score differential on the year is minus two. So okay. All of that included, I think Florida wins, but we're looking at, you know, the separation of a field goal, a one score game, lesser than a touchdown of some sort. I'm going to go 24-20. 24-20. Hey, Vegas may have gotten it right then. Yeah. Because <laughs> that I mean, spread is three. <laughs> so Yeah. What's yeah. the over-under? If Do you have it? I do not have the over under. All I know, I don't like. I know a little bit about betting, but I don't really like study all the uh, betting charts. But um, here, I can I can I, get it real quick. I remember um, just seeing plus three. So let's see, Gators over under is fifty one point five points. So I would have it at forty four. So I would bet the under. All right, yeah. but yeah, that that spread would be pretty good. Yeah, and then if you go to like the ESPN matchup predictor, that's been crap. I don't, I don't even really go by that thing anyway. Uh, but it actually, the percentage for us to win this game was like twenty something. That actually moved it up to like thirty seven or thirty eight. Uh, just what? The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, really? I can't believe it. Yeah, let me see. I can look it up real quick. Let's. Well, actually, ESPN site takes a little bit longer. But here we go. See NCAA scores. 
20 something percent yeah jesus yeah they um i think they I'm had not... it at 20 percent at the beginning of the year and then changed it now it's 37.2 so i still just don't i don't love that that's that could be a meme if florida does win this game that that could be a meme especially if anyone has the the screenshot of the 20 percent because that's crazy I think they had LSU beating Tennessee in the FBI matchup predictor or something like that too. But I, I think that I think what they do is they they set their matchup predictors and sometimes they forget to update them as the year goes on. And you look at it and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, is that yeah? That just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. But anyway, that's it, man. Uh, Florida versus LSU here in the swamp. Hopefully, I think they're going to come out with a victory. I don't really have a score prediction, but I kind of like agree with you. As long as we don't take like a two or three touchdown lead and then give up a whole bunch of third and 22s and then allow them to catch up and make us pull our hair out once again, like they did against Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> that would. I mean, I, I'm fortunate. I was for this past game. I was down on the field doing photos and not my typical job because I wouldn't have loved that. <laughs> I wouldn't have loved my point of view watching those third and long situations as as a football guy. I, you know, those plays just drive you crazy. Uh, Billy said the same thing. I'm glad I just got to take photos and didn't have to take that all in like as it happened. Yeah, I bet you there was a lot of upset fans in the crowd when you took the background photos as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There were people uh, making their voices heard at points. <laughs> oh yeah before before we leave man miss mick hubert mr two bits what do you think about that man that's great man uh and, and it'll be cool i'm sure we'll get some stuff of mick and, and sean who i think has done a really good job in the role he's doing so far in replacing mick uh that's that's gonna be really cool yeah absolutely man big big week in the swamp man big gator collective event friday night there in midtown as well uh, going to be a huge weekend, man. Said I'll be down there. Pretty sure Zach will be down there too. I'll probably be doing some drinking and tailgating. He probably can't because he's <laughs> works for Sports Illustrated. So <laughs> I'll stop by. I'll get some food. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I try and walk by and check out wherever I'm, whoever's nearby my house when I'm on my way to the stadium. So if I see you, I'll make sure to say what's up. All right, Harmonic Woods, man. Uh, Lake Alice, man. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Zach Goodall. And what do you guys got coming up for us in Sports Illustrated real quick? Uh, I feel like I have to keep my lips sealed, uh, although it's not that well-kept of a secret at this point that I guess the Gators are supposed to go on a recruiting little surge here in the next couple of days. So we're just preparing for that as well as, you know, going as in-depth as we can on this matchup. It's certainly one of the bigger ones of the year, and we, uh, we want to make sure we cover it from all angles. I don't think anything's happening Thursday, man. I, I'm just relying on what everyone on Twitter is saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the inside scoop from Twitter and Facebook, man. That's the best scoop you'll get. <laughs> no doubt. All right, no Zach. Doubt. Thank you for joining me on Getting Swamp. Thank you. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs with state-of-the-art paint and epoxy you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom leds as a package as well give him a shout out on twitter at ws woodcarving you can also follow him on twitch and check out his facebook page at white and sons woodcarving top of the line signs made from scratch Florida versus LSU this weekend, and man, oh man, are you taking the over or under on Richardson's passing yards against LSU? 
I'm not sure if we're going to get Tennessee Richardson or Missouri Richardson, but either way, whether you do take the over or under, you can always count on your boy David Soderquist when it comes to your wallet on your first sign up at prizepicks.com today. Join Prize Picks right now with promo code SWAMP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is simple, it's easy, it takes about 60 seconds to sign up. You put in your info, you put in the promo code SWAMP, and you're in the game. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of, like esports, MMA, college football, NFL, college baseball, MLB, basketball, tennis, you name it. Prize Picks has it. Prize Picks is rated 4.8 stars out of 5 when it comes to customer reviews, and they have the best customer service there is out there. So if you like fantasy, join Prize Picks right now with promo code SWAP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks.com. Daily. Fantasy Simplified. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, Zach Goodall from Sports Illustrated, man. Always appreciate the work he does over there with Connor Clark over there at SI. Given his opinions of the Florida LSU game, he has a 24 to 20 victory if i believe that's what he said uh I, I i will give my opinion on that game here as well towards the end but right now we're going to talk about the events going on there obviously the big recruiting uh list that's that's coming to the game but also gator collective putting on an event there at the social rooftop at midtown they'll be raffling off tickets for a tour of the new facility an autographed item free merchandise from their website and a new dominant or athlete shirt that they're giving out as well so if you do buy a ticket to that event make sure you join into that raffle as well and uh it'll be on friday from 5 to 7 p.m but the doors will open at 4 p.m for everybody the tickets to that event are 20 dollars for gator collective members 30 dollars for non-members and 10 dollars for kids 12 and under and if you go to their website and you want to know of everybody that's coming to that event that's a a basketball player track and field softball baseball tennis or gymnastics player or and, and there's even gator greats d webb frankie hammond jr clifford taylor shannon snell marcus castro walker and major Wright. they'll all be down there along with those people as well but if you want to see a full list of everybody that's going to the event you go to gatorcollective.com you hit the LSU tab that's right on the front page there for the event, and you scroll down, and you'll see all the people that are coming to that event. And, of course, I'll be there. David Waters will be there well as well. And if you like Shelton from High Top Sports, he's putting on something down there as well. So, yeah, man, it's going to be fun. I, I, I can't wait, man. 400-mile uh, drive for me being in North Georgia, but well worth the drive. Well worth the drive for this event, LSU weekend. And, of course, if you can't, join us on Friday. We'll be there, Harmonic Woods, 8 o'clock a.m. until the game starts, just about like an hour before the game starts because i got to put up the tailgate so we can get in. But, man, when I say Harmonic Woods goes hard, they go hard. So if you uh, you love the tailgates, uh, yeah, Harmonic Woods is the place to be. There will uh, be some other guests that show up there too, but I can't say anything. You're just going to have to come down here and find out. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. First, got to give my prediction on the game. I predict Florida wins. 31-24. I think Anthony Richardson gets the uh, the little bugaboo out for his passing game. I think he uses his legs a little bit more this game. I mean, it is an important game. It's a home game. It's it's one of those big LSU-Florida rivalries, and it's about time that Florida 
mops the floor with LSU. Now, I can't say mops the floor because if we only win by seven, it's not really mopping the floor, but it's about, it's about time for us to win. So I'm predicting 31-24 from your boy David Soderquist, and that'll do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.